The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday and the start of a brand new week here on Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball. Hoop-ball.com presentation and a podcast also brought to you by our good friends at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website or search for Hawaiian Isles at Amazon. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in, spending the start of your week with us here on this Friday or uh, the hell is today. It's Monday. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I'm not actually recording this on Friday. I don't know why that came out. I just need more sleep. It's a Monday show, of course. It's not reverse chronological lightning round any other day of the week. We'll be going through every game from the weekend. Starting on Sunday, working our way back through Saturday, and then, you know, closing things out if we need to get to anything that happened on Friday night. Sometime, at some point way down the line, I'm actually going to look at all three days and figure out ahead of time if anybody on Friday didn't play over the weekend. You guys probably know. But this is the beauty of the, the Monday show, is that we connect what we did on Friday to the start of this new week. And on Friday, we looked through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, looking forward normal chronology and now we go backward and it it sort of seals the thread together uh also want to mention that the new bruise letter edition five should have come out uh well let's see i guess it depends when this podcast is dropping i might try to get this one out in the middle of the night so it's possible that you could still have a minute or two to actually get on the newsletter mailing list go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and get on there right now again that's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter it is aaron brewski's 10 to 15 page weekly free email straight to your inbox on all 30 teams in the nba life in general the kings you name it it's in there sign up post haste like the thousands of other folks that have already done so so get on that bad boy again it costs you nothing other than about eight seconds of your time hoop-ball.com slash newsletter let's just start by rolling through some of the sunday box scores it was a quieter sunday dallas rolled into houston uh luca put up another monster of a ball game i mean he is he's out of his gourd i don't even know what to say at this point like every game i keep thinking yeah probably the the percents might taper off a tiny bit you know he's shooting 49 and a half percent from the field on insanely high volume He's at 82% from the free throw line on very high volume. The only thing he's not doing is blocking shots. This is the kind of insane step forward that I have to admit I did not expect to see. I mean, you guys listen to the off, the, the shows through the offseason. I thought, listen, this is a guy that he needs to dramatically improve on both percentages. Both. Not one, but both to take that giant leap forward. And not only has he done that, but he's done it on increased volume at every angle. More threes, more shots overall, rebounds, assists, steals are up even. His minutes are almost the same. He's up like a minute and a half. It's it's really remarkable. I do think that there's some sort of, some peel-off coming here. I just, I don't know how this, he's amazing, but, you know, with the, the volume that he's at, I don't know how the 49.5% holds, especially with the three threes a ball game. Uh, but regardless, I mean, he's an insane guy to own right now in fantasy, and um, 
I, I didn't think that both percentages would improve like this. So pretty wild. You know, the other guy that we were sort of a little bit reticent on was Trey Young, who I thought was also going too early, and he has been below his ADP. So you win some, you lose some. And certainly for Luka, he's outperforming. I think even the highest expectation for him, he is above that right now. You could have been high on him, and still you'd be undershooting how good he's been so far this year. Which actually, you know what, I'll do it in between Sunday and Saturday. But I do have a little bit of a side story uh, on, again, sort of resultant... The results here, as we're uh, just a shade over a month into the season. Uh, the actual interesting notes from this ball game: number one, Daniel House came back, played 35 minutes, and looked solid. 16 points, three threes, couple boards, a steal, no turnovers. P.J. Tucker also no turnovers, 16, five and two, three defensive stats and two three pointers. I love it. My my spirit animals are recombined in their weird Franken monster. And on the Dallas side, Tim Hardaway Jr. Got the start again, and this all started because uh, Seth Curry got sick. He got sick, and so Tim Hardaway jumped into the starting lineup. He's shooting out of his mind, which was definitely not sustainable. You know, 86% in that first game, 75 56% in this 31-point performance on Sunday. Uh, he has 13 three-pointers over those games. This it's not even a sell high because it's been so short that you're not going to be able to get anything for him unless somebody really thinks this is going to hang on. But at the same time, he's starting, and this one, here's the thing that I think people might miss a little bit. I, I saw a little bit of Twitter discussion on Tim Hardaway and how his minutes, this is the first one where he really played bigger minutes. It's also the first one since he's been starting that was a competitive ball game. They beat Golden State by 50. They beat Cleveland by 40. He wasn't needed. You know, the whatever it was going to be, six, seven minutes or more that he could have played towards the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, late in the fourth, whatever you want to call it. That game against Golden State, he was probably on target for something like 26 to 30 minutes. And that one against Cleveland, he was probably on target towards, you know, 25-ish minutes, which is still not huge. But again, now we saw a competitive ball game. And you've got to believe that with this team, he is actually a good fit alongside someone like Luka Doncic. Tim Hardaway is at his worst when he's being forced to do a whole bunch of stuff himself. We saw this with the Knicks when they gave him a bunch of money and said, hey, go get a whole bunch of buckets, and his shooting percentage dropped like a boulder. You know, he was in Atlanta. He shot 45.5% that last year when everybody was like, oh, this is interesting. This guy may have actually turned a corner. Two years ago, 2017-2018 uh, with New York, the shooting percentage was bad. Otherwise, he actually had a decent stat line at 17.5, 4, and 3. Uh, turnovers were low. Steals were fine during you know the minutes he played. And then last year in New York, he was shooting 39%. The volume was up. The percentage was down. He got traded to Dallas. The volume was up. The percentage was still low. You wonder now, and, and you know, so far this year he's only shooting 39%, but get him in there alongside better players, kind of like what he had going in Atlanta, and maybe, just maybe, the looks can get a little bit better. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and shoot 50-whatever percent that he's been the last three or four ball games, but 44 is certainly within reach. You know, he was 43 and then 45 and a half those last two years with Atlanta when he actually had some guys, and he didn't do much the first uh, season in Atlanta, so I think we can probably throw that one out. But medium volume, 45 and a half percent, if that's where we're at when he's getting better looks at the bucket, 
then suddenly that's a little bit of something. So I'm not saying that this is a thing, but certainly as long as he's starting, he needs to be on a fantasy team. He's been really good the last week. He's been crushing it. So get him on a team, drop somebody. You've got some dead weight you can float out into the ocean. Meanwhile, maybe it's one of these other guys. DeLon Wright, Dwight Powell, both drops. I said it on Friday, and I'll follow it up today. Those guys had basically one more game to convince me that they were worth holding on to. Powell and Kleba are locked in a timeshare with the big man stuff. DeLon Wright is just not going to see sufficient time. And this is, again, with Seth Curry still seemingly dealing with those sort of illness after effects. Tim Hardaway is now coming on, as we just talked about. They're sort of leaning into Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit more. Uh, There's just not enough for those other guys. We need somebody that's going to take some shots. They're not doing it. And from a rebounding perspective, Porzingis, Luka, and Dorian, those guys are getting all of them. Sacramento beat Washington on the road. This, to me, was actually a pretty good win. Uh, Bradley Beal looked kind of tired in this game. Isaiah Thomas played 29 minutes, had 17-2-2 with a block in sort of an odd twist. uh, This was actually a really nice sign to see him get 11 shots up, uh, play the 29 minutes, get far more run than Ish Smith. I I honestly, on a game-to-game basis, it's hard to say exactly what IT is going to do, but he is, if I had to say, he's getting a little bit better every two weeks or so. So I'm not dropping him, and I know he's been kind of a letdown since he moved into the starting lineup. Frankly, I'd love to see him run the second unit a little bit more with this team, as opposed to Ish Smith, who just, well, he runs, but I don't know if he's running the unit. Uh, Get IT in there. Let him chuck up some shots with the second unit when they're going to get run off the court in a lot of spots. Mo Wagner had a good ball game, but again, the minutes are so low behind Thomas Bryant, it's really hard for me to get behind a a full-throated endorsement. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich came back from his hamstring thing and played uh, pretty well, 21-4-4. Corey Joseph got a lot of run and was, you know, okay, I guess, but I'm not on board with that. Rashawn Holmes has just been so good. It's crazy. Harrison Barnes is probably, uh, at this point, above the cut line. I, you know, hard for me to say, but he's he's been okay. Um, you know, he's top 90-ish kind of guy. This is sort of the best-case scenario. And then Buddy Heald, he's been ice cold, man. He's been so cold the last few games after looking like he was heating up. Nemanja Bielitsa, he'll be fine until Marvin Bagley comes back. Uh, elsewhere on the Washington side, not really anything else. Davis Bertans deserves to be owned, uh, and then everybody else was kind of split in minutes. Brooklyn beat New York, or, you know, New York beat New York, Brooklyn beat Manhattan. Uh, Dinwiddie had 30. He's going to continue to roll as long as Kyrie Irving's out. Torian Prince had a little bounce-back game. He's all over the map, man. More of an 8-cat guy than 9-cat, to be sure. Those two turnovers when he's more of a role-playing sort uh, hurts you as low free throw percent and bad field goal percent. Also, a little bit of a kick in the teeth, but he deserves to be on a team. Uh, and then Jared Allen, he's been playing better lately as well. Joe Harris, kind of hit or miss on a lot of days. Looks like he's going to be hanging out near the edge of that top 100. Uh, right now he's at 122 with a low free throw percent. And uh, to me, he actually benefits when guys are, are looking for him a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, he'll be on and off of fantasy teams this year. Marcus Morris versus the world on the New York side. I know that it's a weird thing to say, but he bought into this team because they promised him shots. I'm certain of it. There was no way 
that he was going to New York over San Antonio unless they said, we are going to give you an opportunity to make yourself a truckload after this contract. And so he's checking up 15 shots a game this year. Huge. He's a 17 in this one. Hits seven three-pointers. Meanwhile, Julius Randle continues to be one of the worst picks in fantasy, and I will never forgive myself for the one league where I panicked and I took him thinking, well, I've got a whole bunch of defensive stats already. I need someone who can raise my field goal percent and Julius Randle's field goal percent. I mean, he made 6 out of 10 in this ballgame. That's great. But overall, he's been almost unbearable. We saw Wayne Ellington appear briefly in this ballgame as well. Mitchell Robinson is a buy low. You guys are going to hate me for this because he really, you know, from a, uh, an overall fantasy standpoint, is sitting like outside the top 50. We're getting to that point, though, where I think teams are going to begin to get frustrated with the fact that he's literally doing nothing besides blocking shots. He's averaging 10 and 6 on the year, which is top 50. But you start to organize by the more recent games, and it's a little bit worse. Oh, he tapers off a little bit. Last week or so, I think everything is under, you know, he's number he's top 70, something like that. But those three blocks a game really weights hard on the other stuff going on. It only takes like one blow up every two weeks for him to move that top 70 inside the top 50. So someone probably has him and someone's probably a little bit annoyed. See if you can prime away for a top 45 type of guy. Because what he can do by himself is more than a lot of dudes can do. By the way, he fouled out again in this ballgame. Uh, Denver shut down another offense, but not that surprising right now. Phoenix just looks terrible with no Aaron Baines and no Ricky Rubio. Uh, Devin Booker had one of those games that looked like last year Devin Booker. I mean, all these games with no Ricky Rubio kind of look like last year Devin Booker, except the Minnesota one. Dario Saric went huge in this ballgame, which was sort of an out-of-the-blue no, out type of thing. He was sitting outside the top 130 and then just blew up 17 rebounds. He's averaging six on the year, so this is very much an outlier. The 18 points, the four three-pointers, all of this stuff is outlier territory. So, no, we're not diving into the Dario Saric book again. Uh, Phoenix played some backups. Check Diallo played 35 minutes in this thing because Frank Kaminsky was awful. Um, Ilya Kobo played 29 minutes. The starters were, I mean, there were just a handful that were not very good. Kelly Oubre had a tougher ball game. They desperately need their point guard back. They've, they've totally fallen off the map. Rubio tried to play in that game in Sacramento, but effectively now he's missed five games with these back spasms. Uh, and the Suns, what are they? They're four and six their last ten. I think the only one of those ones they've won is the game against the Timberwolves. Yeah, they lost to the Celtics at home, Kings on the road, Pels at home. Beat the Wolves, now lost to the Nuggets. They host the Wizards on Wednesday, and I'm sure they're hoping they have Rubio back because that's Monday, Tuesday, and uh, or Monday and Tuesday off. Another few days. They go Friday uh, to two-game week for Phoenix this time around. So uh, you might actually see them rest Rubio a little bit longer in the hopes that they can just sort of sneak through a one-in-one week and then bring him back for that Monday against the Hornets when they start piling up games, you know, four and six days, that kind of deal. We shall see. Denver side is the same old story. Four of the five starters are worth using. Gary Harris is the other guy. <laughs> Will Barton was good. Jamal Murray was good. Paul Millsap was good. Nikola Jokic was not that great. That's the story right now. 
Uh, Clippers were starting to get a little bit of a better idea of what's going to happen when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play at the same time. Uh, and it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. They're still sort of feeling each other out. The shooting percentages, they'll, they'll level off at some point along the way. Um, but obviously they, they can outclass a team, uh, like the Pelicans most evenings. JJ Redick, uh, continues to be useful. Even with Brandon Ingram back, that was a big hurdle to get over. The other one is going to be Josh Hart's return. Jackson Hayes playing big minutes, but not doing a ton with them. Julia Okafor came back and was uh, a little bit effective in shorter minutes. All of this points to them being able to use Derek Favors when, if, I guess I should say, if or when he actually ever gets healthy. And to me, that's the only real story uh, from this ballgame. I said I was going to take a little bit of a detour after the Sunday games, and that's now, effectively. Uh, And the detour is... The idea of hits and misses on draft day, because we're getting the point now, and I, you know, I talked about Luka Doncic a little bit at the at the top of the show, as someone that I said, I don't know if he can make it, so I'm probably not taking him this early. You know, he was a, some 70 to 100 range last year because the free throw and field goal percent and turnovers, he had three brutally bad statistics on his ledger last season. Not only has he eliminated two of those three bad ones, he's turned them into positives. You know, they're not even just neutral anymore. So yeah, sure, I didn't see that coming. That's a hell of a thing to sit on. However, Luka is one of the rare guys at this point where if you took that plunge at, you know, 17 to 20 or whatever it is, he's been so much better than that that he actually could be kind of the one pick to raise your team two or three spots in the standings. Those guys are the outliers, That happens once, probably, per year. It was Pascal Siakam last year because he went so late and ended up inside the top 40. I'm sure we can come up with a name or two if we looked at last season's final rankings, but it's really, it's not many, guys. If you go through the rankings from last year and just look at, you know, the top 24, how many of those guys were drafted way later than they ended up? Vooch. Vooch was a guy, but that was, again, in the 50 range. So it's not like someone was like, oh, I'm not going to, that's too early for me to take Nick Vucevic. That's me doing an impression of myself in, for a lot of these guys. But no, I mean, with, with someone at 50, it's tough to say, hey, that's too early to take a guy. Once you get to 50, you can kind of do whatever you want, sort of. You're like one round away from officially being in the do-whatever-the-hell-you-want range of the draft. Luka is an insane outlier this year. In general, and I will not adjust this because one guy turned out to be leagues better, like a full second-round pick's worth better than he was drafted, early also, so one of the buzz guys, this, doesn't happen, this happens like once every two years on the buzz guys, I'm not going to change the strategy, I'm not going to change the way that we present things in the offseason because, and this is the overarching theme, and a, a forum post reminded me of this, and I felt like it needed to be talked about, uh... Getting a guy right is usually not going to win you a league, okay? Getting one pick right is not going to win you your league. Getting one guy wrong could cost you the chance to win your league. Now, if you're in a very deep league, or a crazy competitive one, you know, ringer league, stuff like that, you got to take more shots. That's absolutely true. You know, uh, and, and even for mildly competitive leagues, you take a couple of shots. Like for me, 
I think taking Chris Paul in like every league was a little bit of a shot take for me. Um, but you guys know I don't do a ton of that because my feeling still is in your first four to five rounds, if you just get a guy that ends up near or slightly above where you took them, you're golden. If you take a guy in that spot that's a real buzzy dude that ends up two rounds above where you took him. You know, if you take a guy in the fourth round who ends up a second rounder, that's going to be really helpful for your team. And so far this year, who the hell fits that mold? Uh, I mean, maybe like a Brandon Ingram is well above, and that was, a, you know, he was going in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, we have a long way to go. So it's, it's tough to say that anybody actually fits that description for this year so far. Looking back at last year, Vooch is someone that falls into that category, but he wasn't even a buzzy guy last year. Who of the buzz guys last season actually outperformed by all that much? I would say nobody last year. None. Zero of the last season buzz guys outperformed by more than, like, a round. At least until you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round type of range. Yusuf Nurkic was a uh, sort of buzzy guy who got hurt but was on his way to uh, fourth round valuation. He was drafted probably in the fifth or sixth. That's a pretty good story. Uh, Buddy Heald was probably drafted sixth, seventh round, and he ended up in that fourth round range. But there really were almost nobody that was drafted in the third, fourth, or fifth that ended up in the second or third last year. Almost no one besides Vooch. Almost no one. Maybe Rob Covington, who again missed the second half of the year. So wipe him off the the list. Uh, Elsewhere, in the top 24 to top 30, none of those guys were buzz dudes. None of them. So this is why I maintain where I've been at. If you guys don't like it, you don't have to follow every every single uh, little piece of the puzzle for me. You don't have to do every single thing I say. This is not gospel on this podcast. This is to help you sort of get through the handicapping process for this stuff. So this isn't a rant. This is an anti-rant. This is a, yeah, listen, by playing it safe, we're going to miss on one to two buzz guys a year. But by playing it safe, we're going to miss on missing on probably five to ten buzz guys per year so far. Here's the other side of this equation. You know who the two buzzy guys are this season that are actually performing way above where they were drafted? Luka Doncic is one of them, and he's way above. And the other buzz guy that's actually outperforming his ADP is Donovan Mitchell. He's number 25. His ADP was 29. I said 29 is probably too early for me. Okay, that was wrong. But you know what? He's four slots ahead of that right now. It's not like he's blowing it off the map. What about the misses? What do we dodge by avoiding the buzz guys? We can still go back and look at... I think they still on Yahoo have the ADPs available if you want to look at them. Think about some of the guys we've dodged by not grabbing them too early, these ADP players. Uh, let's see. Where is where's Devin Booker? He was a very buzzy guy. He's eight slots below his ADP, and he's having a great season. Trey Young, nine spots below his ADP, and he's having a good season. This is nine cat, by the way. Uh, let's see, who else did we dodge that had a whole lot of buzz around their name that's that's below? These are guys, by the way, that I think are having really good seasons that are now way below. Uh, how about Bam Adebayo, who I really like? 
He's a great he's a great one, but he got so expensive. Uh, technically, he's outperforming his ADP, but you and I both know he was going in the 30s and 40s, and he's ranked in the 40s. If he starts making free throws, he could obviously pass that number. Um, I'm trying to think of who else were guys that we talked about had a whole lot of buzz coming in. Thomas Bryant, I thought, had a whole lot of buzz. He's at 60. Kelly Oubre's at 59. I mean, these are guys that were going later, though. So I don't know that they fit the mold exactly. What about early guys? Guys that had early ADPs that I thought, eh. Too rich for my blood, I said, as we went through some of these potential third-round picks. Mitchell Robinson, well below it. De'Aaron Fox, way below it. D'Angelo Russell, where the hell is he? I don't even know. Uh, He's way below. He's at 68 and barely playing. We didn't know that that part was going to happen. Can't take credit for that. We'll take credit where we deserve it, but not for that part. Zion, he hadn't even played a game. Jaron Jackson Jr., very buzzy name. We dodged all of these guys. Yeah, you know what? I will 100% admit that by playing this dodge the buzz name, we did miss on Luka Doncic. We weren't going to have him on our teams because someone was going to take him early regardless, and we'd have to really go nuts to get him. And now it looks like we should have. But look at all these names that we avoided that are not weighing our team down. I'm totally fine with that. You guys got your one hit, but you got your nine misses too. We got our nine misses, or we dodged our nine misses, but yeah, we also missed on the one big hit. But I'm okay with that. Because in the first round, we took, I don't know, Jimmy Butler, and he looks good. Or Damian Lillard, and he looks good. And in the second round, we took Andre Drummond, and he looks good. And in the third round, we took Chris Paul, and he's been good. And in the fourth round, we took LaMarcus Aldridge, and he's been fine. Actually, he's been late third round. And in the fifth round, we took Tobias Harris, and he's been a fourth-round guy. And you just you stockpile a man. None of those guys are massive hits at this point, but all of them are performing at or right around their ADP, and so you don't have that one big boulder sagging you down. And that's why we do it the way we do it. Again, you don't have to follow me blindly. You don't. I'm not forcing you to do anything of the sort. But please do understand why I do it the way I do. The method to the madness with your old pal, Danny B. That's the method to the madness. Okay. Uh, Saturday, that's where we left off. Um, talked about Phoenix already. They had a nice game against Minnesota. For Minnesota, they got Andrew Wiggins back, and things kind of went a little bit back to normal. Uh, Kata Bates-Diop played 37 minutes in this game. Deserves a look. The stat line was actually not that great. He took 18 shots, made a lot of them, but didn't do almost anything besides score. I'll need to see him do something besides score before I advise putting him on a fantasy team. Zach Levine went huge for Chicago. Sell high. Tomas Sadoransky remains the point guard on that team that I would like to have on my fantasy team. Kobe White scored 28, and he's going to run hot and cold. Probably a guy you could stash for later in the year if you're... I mean, it looks like this stuff is probably going to come apart for the Bulls somewhere along the way. What the hell's their record now? 6-11? and 11? Well, luckily, they're only a game out of the 8th seed in the god-awful East, so they got that going for them, to quote Caddyshack, which is nice. Uh, Larry Markinen is the ultimate buy-low candidate right now. I mean, he could not be any worse. Bismack Biombo double-doubled. No, thank you. Miles Bridges played well again. Yes, please. Devontae Graham looked good. Nick Batum did nothing. 
Uh, why he's 35% owned, I do not know. Uh, and Old Man Marv hit 9 out of 10 shots, but also he's a no. Orlando, first game with no Vooch and no Aaron Gordon. By the way, uh, word on Nick Vucevic is that he's already out of the walking boot. So I am not going to bother with Mo Bamba or Kem Birch. I picked up Bamba in two spots thinking, hey, if Vooch misses a full month, maybe I get some you know, rebounds and blocks out of this thing. But I'm going to abail. I'm going to abandon ship early on that one because I just it doesn't seem worth it. Evan Fournier is going to take a lot of shots. He should be good. Jonathan Isaac looks insanely good this year. Like his whole game looks like it's come together. And a lot of people are bailing on Terrence Ross after one bad shooting game, but he's going to take 12 to 15 shots a game while everybody else is hurt. And that's good because volume is good for him. More threes, staying on the floor, more, more rebounds, more steals, all that good stuff. Justin Holiday played well, and he seems like he might have actually played his way into an okay role on that indie team, at least until Oladipo comes back, which, by the way, we're probably within about four weeks of. So on some weird chance that he's floating around on a waiver wire, you got to grab him. Jeremy Lamb's return uh, turned T.J. Warren into a spectator, but he's a hard hold. Do not bail out on T.J. Warren. He's been playing very well, and they just sort of need to readjust to one another. Everything's going to be fine. Aaron Holiday, streamer until Malcolm Brogdon comes back. San Antonio finally got a win, and it came against the Knicks, so it almost doesn't count for full face value. Uh, Patty Mills came off the bench for 17 points on eight shots. No thank you. Jakob Pertl is a guy we talked about on this podcast as kind of a watch list dude, and he was good. 11-10 and 10 with a block on a perfect 5-for-5 five five shooting. 24 to 28 minutes for him is enough for fantasy value. You just need him not to take any free throws because then you'll get boards and blocks and field goal percent, and that's good for sort of a third center or a very late second center on your team. LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, those guys were both fine. On the Knicks side, uh, we already talked about the Knicks from their Sunday game, but Frank Nilakina had a good one on Saturday, but it just illustrates how messy that point guard situation is. Good Lord, Julius Randle is so terrible this year. Toronto took everything they had, but they did beat Atlanta. Norman Powell scored 20. I'm just not interested in his fantasy game. It's hard to score 20 points and have a clunky fantasy game, but he did. Freddie Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, and I would give the extension here to 9-cat Roto Marc Gasol. OG Ananobi as well, although he looks like he's still kind of resettling in. On the Hawks' side, uh, it was DeAndre Bembry who's actually played better the last couple of games. DeAndre Hunter has scored a lot. But his other stuff leaves a little something to be desired, so I'm not diving in face-first on that. Uh, Frankly, I don't think I'm touching anyone besides Jabari Parker and Trey Young until they get healthy, at which point John Collins, obviously, and then Kevin Herter is the one that you might consider. Miami got blown out. Bad game for pretty much everybody. Yeah, actually, entirely everybody. I think Tyler Harrell was sort of the only one who survived this thing. So throw it out. Don't worry about it. When you get clobbered and score 86 and your starters don't get to play starters minutes, it's probably not going to be a particularly fun night. Josh Richardson, who we had on our Thursday podcast as the big buy low guy of the week, scored 32 with four assists. That was a nice <laughs> that was a nice way to make us look smart for a day. Uh, and then obviously everything else is same old, same old with Philly. Portland got Damian Lillard back, but he still doesn't quite look healthy, and they lost to the Cavaliers. Yeesh. Not good. Carmelo Anthony played 35 minutes and remains a points league only guy. Made 5 out of 15 shots. He is... There's just not much in the tank there, man. Anthony Tolliver looked pretty good. Um, curious to see what happens when Hassan Whiteside comes back. 
I have to assume that basically anybody that's getting rebounds is not going to be after that point. Rodney Hood still played 36 minutes, but damn, the usage is low. That's a tough one to lean into. Kent Bazemore is completely cooked by all the new people they've brought in. There's your pisser. I mean, he was already sort of on the outside, but now he's way out. Jordan Clarkson had a big one, so his fight to stay near the top 100 continues. Tristan Thompson, 25-9-2. Uh, Larry Nance had an issue at the free throw line, but otherwise he's uh, your other guy. I, I don't like Jordan Clarkson in 9-cat. I'm okay with him in points leagues. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Larry Nance. This team is exclusively big men on your fantasy team. I'm seeing Rajon Rondo getting picked up a little bit because he had a decent game. Please don't. Avery Bradley and Alex Caruso were both out. Rajondo's going to get a few... Uh, I call them Rajondo. Rondo's going to get a few assists every now and again, but more harm than good. More harm than good. More interestingly, I suppose, the Memphis side, John Morant had a uh, big game efficient, too, aside from the turnovers. Jaron Jackson is slowly coming around. Jay Crowder, who I've described as above the Marvin Thad line cut, is good to go. And then JV has hit a little bit of a slow patch. He might be playing through something, which worries me a tiny bit. Uh, Just no usage. That's super unusual for him. At the same time, uh, Anthony Davis is a an awfully tough matchup. You'd think that JV would be able to sort of push him around a tiny bit more or push JaVale McGee around a little bit more. Maybe not Dwight Howard, but geez. So I'm a little bit worried that we're going to get news all of a sudden that Valanchunas is playing through the foot thing. And um, yeah, you know, if he has to take a week off, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Detroit kind of stinks. Um, you know, Andre Drummond was fine. Derrick Rose actually looked pretty good in this ball game. Blake Griffin looks, uh, he didn't play in this one, but he he did in their previous one in the back-to-back. He looks terrible. We called Luke Kennard a big-time sell-high guy on our Thursday episode, and that came true. The uh, Bucks are basically Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and generally Eric Bledsoe. That, we've been sort of watching to see if anybody would pick up for Chris Middleton, and the answer is not really. Dante DiVincenzo got a watch list nod, but that's it. We already talked about New Orleans, Utah. They're a pretty easy team to handicap. So we can just, I think, jump right over them and call that a day for Saturday. We do indeed have to go back as far as Friday on uh, this reverse chronological lightning round. Although we have covered uh, the vast majority of these teams, so we'll just blitz through to anybody that didn't get any airtime on a Saturday or Sunday. Well, here's a Miami game where they didn't get blown out. Adebayo made all four of his free throws. Jimmy Butler is racking up the defensive stats. This is one where where we saw Kendrick Nunn put up a decent line. And I still think he, of those three, is the safest. The safest among them. Uh, Other teams that played on Friday but not over the weekend. Oklahoma City. Shea looked good. Chris Paul looked good. Uh, Dennis Schroeder did not. He's very much a hot and cold. And then Steven Adams had to play a little extra because Nerlens Noel was a late scratch in this one. That also meant Mike Muscala had to play a little bit more. Something's still not quite right with Adams. You know, he only grabs six rebounds in this game. He's the kind of dude that gives a guy like Anthony Davis a little bit of a tough time when he's healthy because he's willing to just go beat him up a little bit. Or McGee or Dwight Howard or whatever you want to do with that Lakers center spot. 
So he's not right. This was a better game, obviously. He shot 9 for 10 and made his free throws. Maybe a sign he's starting to wake up, but the fact that he still only played 27 minutes with no Nerlens Noel makes me reaffirm the Nerlens Noel must-own, must-start situation. Boston is another team that didn't play Saturday or Sunday and definitely deserves a brief stopover. Kemba Walker uh, badly hurt. Hurt his neck. Might have been briefly knocked unconscious. Went to the hospital on a stretcher. He was, however, released later that night. We do not have a prospective return date. He's listed as doubtful for Boston's next ballgame this evening, which means, uh, I mean, that's a better tag than I figured he'd just be listed as straight out. Um, But I wouldn't expect to see him play this week. I'd say at least that. If he does, you know, consider us happy and lucky. Golden State's uh, crack reserve team. They only have eight guys at this point. Uh, Everybody has to play a ton of minutes. Kevon Looney likely to miss the next two ball games, but the Warriors are hoping to have him back by the end of this week. So he's definitely stashable at this point. Kai Bowman played well. He's the guy that I've been wanting to see step up, but Alec Burks is still the safest warrior. If you're going to use a guy against a games cap, he's the one I would do. If you're in an unlimited situation, I think you're good to go with Burks, Pascal, maybe Bowman. I don't know that I'd go any farther than that. Willie Cauley-Stein is now kind of on the outs with me because I think Looney's going to steal most of his minutes. Um, Pascal, as we mentioned, he's sort of the the second or third one. Glenn Robinson, the third. You could maybe throw him on the end of that list, but I'm not super excited about it. Uh, And that's your trip around the NBA. 30 teams, reverse chronological order here on this Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. So now we turn our attention to tonight, a Jumbo Monday 11-game card. Brooklyn is at Cleveland. Even odds on that one. We'll talk about gambling here in a minute. Um, Not a whole lot I'm paying attention to with these two teams. Orlando, Detroit, obviously with the magic. You're watching to see how everything shakes out with no Vooch and no Gordon. I think we got a decent idea in that game against... The uh, Pacers, but now you're going to see a team with with Detroit that's really not very good defensively. So maybe the Magic get a few better looks. I don't know. Memphis is in Indiana. You'll see who's playing for the Pacers. You know, Brogdon didn't play in that last ball game. I I don't have an update on him at the time of recording this podcast. Uh, you can keep streaming Aaron Holiday if he's not in there. This would seem to be potentially a high scoring game. And on the Memphis side, I think we have a pretty good idea. You got Morant, JV. Uh, Jay Crowder these days, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. There are some options out there. Not much from a fantasy standpoint that I think you need to watch this game live. Minnesota-Atlanta, same situation. I don't think this is a watchable one. I don't think I'd want to. Philly-Toronto should be a good ball game, but again, not a ton to learn. And we might see Serge Ibaka. He's close, by all accounts. Charlotte-Miami, I'm always interested in what the Heat are doing with their rotations, but I think things are settling in a little bit there. Sacramento on the back-to-back in Boston after stealing a win in Washington. Boston with no Kemba. The question with this team is how many injuries they can take and still kind of wake themselves up for it. Um, I'm thinking this will probably be a pretty good performance from the Celtics before maybe a little bit of a dial back. Portland-Chicago Blazers desperately need a win. They're down at the bottom of the Western Conference. And we are watching them. You know, Mello is worth watching. Is Lillard healthy, or is he just coming back because he sees his team as floundering? Even odds. Blazers and Bulls. Wow. 
Utah, Milwaukee, nothing there, fantasy side. Uh, Lakers, Spurs, all the fantasy info is going to come from the Spurs side of this ballgame. And then Oklahoma City at Golden State. Uh, the Nerlens Noel, Stephen Adams thing is obviously on our, our watch list. And then for the Warriors, it's just the B squad. In terms of the betting side, you know, we're always watching the uh, revenge angles, and there are four of them, which is going to happen a lot now. The early part of the year, a lot of these teams have played one time, so it fits into our mold. The four revenge games to watch, the Spurs, who lost to the Lakers already at one point this season, unless I'm totally biffing that. I'm fairly certain they played one another. Now I'm racking my brain and trying to think, did they actually play one another already? And the answer is yes. Yes, they did. The Lakers beat them on the 3rd of November by 7 in San Antonio. So this is an opportunity again at home for the Spurs to try to get some sort of revenge there. Uh, the other three on the docket, Celtics, who lost to the Kings. That also falls into the injured star with Kemba missing now his first game uh, after suffering the neck injury. The Bucks lost to the Jazz earlier this year, so they may have a little bit of uh, extra anger, a little pent-up aggression. And then the Warriors have already lost twice to the Thunder this season. I would expect them to put on a pretty good effort. Maybe they'll lose, but the Warriors are catching so many points in all of these games that uh, at a certain point, you just sort of have to start covering any time they're not completely blown out in a ball game, which it seems like happens every night. If you actually go through the numbers, it doesn't happen nearly as often uh, as the numbers would indicate. This one, they're not going to be catching that many points because it's in Oakland, but they're just so bad that they're going to be getting a handful in, in pretty much every ball game. If you have questions, by the way, on that revenge stuff, you can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I'll try to get back at you as quick as I can. But as we've mentioned a few times, massive, massive projects in the works here at HoopBall. And for that reason, I continue to put out this following recruitment clarion call. If you're not interested in this, you can fast forward through it. But I know at least a few of you are. We are looking for salespeople for the first time here over the last week now at HoopBall. Bug me if you have daytime hour availability and are interested in getting involved at the HoopBall sales team. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or shoot an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, teamhoopball.com at hoop-ball.com. Again, this is about a sales position with the uh, with HoopBall. Again, daytime availability. You can't make sales calls in the middle of the night. Uh, so if you're someone who's working from home, working weekends, working nights, whatever it happens to be, and you've got some time, bug me. We're looking for you. Uh, also, uh, you know, elsewhere, if you want to be a contributor here, you can also hit me up for that as well. That is certainly a different beast, pod stuff, writing stuff, whatever it is, you name it. We're looking for you. We want to keep expanding. That's part of the fun here at HoopBall. We're growing. We're getting bigger. And it's why I've been uh, off Twitter a little bit more over the last couple of days. A couple of tweet storms mixed in. Um, but again, big projects going on in the background. Over the rest of this week, we'll have the same u- the usual fare. We'll talk to Coach at some point about some DFS. We'll get in with Brandon on our buy low, sell high segment, which has been, uh, I think, incredibly helpful, especially with the Josh Powell this week. That was a big hit right out of the chute. Uh, We'll go for another one of those this week, week six. It's here, everybody. We're rumbling along. Check your team. Oh, my big piece of advice here at the end of the podcast. If you're in a Roto League in particular, because head-to-head, you you know, you can always pull up your stats, how you're doing against different teams. Uh, In Roto in particular, because you're not always going to have the same number of games played as your opponents, make a document that calculates the average performance 
per game of everybody in your league. That way you know if you just keep up the same pace, where are you actually going to end up? I know I like to lag behind by a couple of games and then kind of roll up on people. I'll draft them. These are racing terminology. I'm drafting them. Uh, and then at some point, when I know the ROI is right, I'll just rotate who I'm throwing into my lineup and make a, a push in one or two key categories towards the end of the year. It's an easy way to get an extra couple of points, usually about two to three extra roto points if you just play your games cap appropriately. Make sure you use all 820 or 850 or 900, whatever it happens to be, uh, but we're far from that point now. It's it's time to lag back just a little bit, use your best guys, and figure out on average where you actually stand against the other teams in your league. Because it's really hard to just sort of look at it on the fly and say, oh, this other team, they've got you know 19 more games played than I do. Uh, they have, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, let's do a weird little... They're like 260 points ahead of me. What do I actually need to do to make up that ground? Is it doable? Do I need to change anything? You start to chase instead of just sticking to what you know best. Don't chase. Make the averages, and then you'll know how to catch up on your guys. And and I'd love to do a whole show on that, and I probably will at some point once we get a little bit deeper into the season. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers. Have a great Mega Monday 11-game card tonight. Back with you tomorrow. And I think I'm getting this podcast out super early. So to those of you that like listening first thing in the morning, you're welcome. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.